0: Do you think you have love? Do you think love is something you do for another? Something that you, as an individual, can express? Love is a great thing. Perhaps the greatest thing. And love is a living thing. It is not the result of something, someone, or some action. I feel like we have narrowed down that word in, to such an extent that it has become very superficial, you see. It has become a very confusing word. Everybody is throwing a love you anywhere, anytime. It has become very confusing. So I think it is worth a while to look into the meaning behind that word. Perhaps one can discover the incredible beauty of that word, that is love. I think the best way to find to find out what love really is, is perhaps to find out what it is not. That way we are less confused. And first thing first. Love is not being dependent. To be so dependent on someone or something that we end up claiming to be loving, that isn't love. That's selfishness. Because you do not love your wife if you are dependent on her. You do not love your kids if your happiness depends on them. You're just using them to cope with life. To go through life. That isn't love. Okay? Also, love is not pleasure. The pleasure you derive from being the president of the republic, for example, or a company CEO, that has got nothing to do with love. Most of us lie to ourselves that way, you see. We think we are doing good because we care why we really do not care. We just like the sense of superiority, the sense of responsibility a certain position gives us. We feel valuable in the eyes of the society, important. And we think we are doing it out of love. Well, of course, some things might be done out of compassion, but that's not the point. And really, if we all were actually compassionate, we would have a totally different society. But we are very rarely compassionate. Most people are selfish in their compassion, which means they are not compassionate at all. Because how can you say that you are compassionate? Mm-hmm. If your compassion is exclusive to some people. You see a parent or a friend going through a bad time and you feel compassionate, obligated to do something to help out. But you cannot feel the same for a random stranger, say of different background, you know, different race, or religious belief, or just someone of different opinion. You are not compassionate. In fact, you could hurt another for the sake of your brother. You are selfish, my friend, not compassionate. Hmm? You are so cunning that you are convinced you are doing it for your brother. No, you are doing it for yourself. You just cannot stand seeing someone you know, going through a bad time, suffering... But if it was someone else, we're just going to pass. Just pass by without hesitation. Let's take the example of COVID-19. Our current pandemic. When it all started in China, most people were really not concerned. It was all over the news, but it did not concern them. But the moment it gets to your doorstep, Then you get worried. Then you start feeling sorry for humanity. Then you start seeing how horrible being sick is. How more ugly can we get, really? But we do these things so often, so carelessly that we cannot see how rotten we really are. When you see a homeless person, you give it you give him or her a one dollar bill and you feel like you have done a thing, you no. Know? You could give her a million dollars and one of your legs, but if you have no love, all that is meaningless. All that is you fooling yourself. It's really nothing. Rather keep your million dollar. So most of our acts of kindness have their source in selfish motives without us ever noticing it. This is the reality of our society. We are at each other's throats because we are selfish. So we really like compassion, let alone love. All right. Love is also not fear. For instance, the fear of being rejected by someone or the society in general. And because of that fear, you are willing to do anything just so they can stick around. Hmm? The fear of hell is another example. And that fear... makes you think that you love quote love your God because you're totally traumatized by the idea of hell. however stupid it is you are obligated to love that God that is not love you actually do not love your gods you depend on them and you are simply using them to get in your way. (laughs) And if your God is even as half clever and cunning as you are, I'm sure you would have noticed your trickery and sent you to hell by now. And you know, you are actually in hell, a hell of your own doing, a hell that is far more atrocious than anything you can ever imagine. But you like it, so you will go on. That's your game, you see. <laughs> anyway, love is, is also not affection. Because affection is nothing like love. It is good, yes, but it is not love. Love is far bigger than any particular thing or emotion or concept. Love is not suffering. Where love is, where love actually is, there's no longer suffering. It is just impossible. Also, love is not Something separate. Something created by something or someone else. It is not bound by the trap of cause and effect. It is simply there. Love is everything. With understanding, naturally, love comes to be. Not that you create it. No. It isn't that you create it. But it comes to be as you wipe out the dirt around it, so to speak. And the dirt is you. The dirt is your selfishness. The dirt is your thoughts, and therefore everything that comes out of your head. You cannot say, I am a loving person. That's pride. And therefore not love. Please look at it. Can you say that I am a loving person when you are actually stating that? What has happened? You have observed how loving you were before? In that moment, are you really loving? No. You are no longer loving. You're just feeding your ego, however subtle that might be. But you are doing it. So, what exactly is love, if it is not all of that? Well, love and creation go hand in hand. So, the best way to get a feeling of what love really is, is by discovering what creation and death is. And the only way to find out what those two are is through meditation. Now, I have decided to talk about meditation in the next episode. Probably the last of this series. So, let's rather discuss what death is because this is something very serious i mean we are so caught up in this thing that we really do not live so please let's find out what death is and see if we can actually live so what is death is death of the physical body all there is to death many of us will agree they would say "Yeah, that is death i mean i die i die well actually no most of us believe in some sort of continuation after death be it a ghost a reincarnated person or or a paradise or hell, most of us actually can never look into the question of what is death, really. Because we are so terrified of it that we can never inquire. But are we terrified of death because we know it or because we do not know it? Are we actually terrified of what we do not know? Or are we not instead terrified of what we think we know? Please look at it. Are you scared of death because you know what will happen or because you do not know? As far as I can see, I think we are terrified of the known, not the unknown. How can you be terrified of something you do not know? It's impossible. You are always scared of the known. It could be that you fear death because you have been conditioned to fear it through your belief systems, or through your own making, or through your attachments to what you know and have. But it is always the known. Firstly, you have been fed on the idea of hell or paradise, for example, or the idea of reincarnation, you know, the idea of a reward and a punishment. You do this right or wrong, and you get this and that. Hmm? That is one of the reasons you fear death. And therefore, one of the reasons you will never understand it or even look at it. You know, fire, torture, forever and ever. That's good enough to keep, to keep you at bay. To get you to behave. But can you really behave properly out of fear? No, you are bound to misbehave. You are bound to rebel. And one way of rebelling is by creating a defense mechanism to the initial belief that you yourself have created, that we have created. And that is, well, you can ask for forgiveness and all will be forgiven. All right? No, you can behave properly next time and you will be reincarnated in a better position. So basically this means that, yes, I can kill, I can rape, I can lie, hurt, you know, cheat, betray, lie over and over. But I will ultimately have a trump card. You know, I can kneel down and beg. Oh, I can do better next time. And all will be forgiven now some may say that if you sin with the intent of asking for forgiveness later on it will not be forgiven that's the old trick I mean we used to hear it as a kid that is unless you really mean it and won't repeat it and that game will go on and on Because it's actually quite interesting, you know, it is self maintaining. Or perhaps the story of having already been saved by Christ, the Son of God, all you gotta do is to be reborn. And all your sins vanish through that sacrifice. Listen, I'm not joking. I know how deeply people are involved in this type of thing. I am not taking these things lightly. You, the listener, shouldn't take it lightly either. This is what a big chunk of the society believes in. And you wonder why we have what we have right now. On the other side of the spectrum... When I do, right, I am being seen by the eyes of the Lord and he knows deep down that I am good. Right? And I will be rewarded. Are you good when you know that you are good? <laughs> My goodness, all this is so childish. It is really unbelievable that your grandparents right now still fall for it. But what can they do? They have been so destroyed. They have destroyed their own minds. What can they do? Now then, either buy into the idea of reincarnation, that is, if I do right, I will die and be reborn with slightly more money, more peace, and eventually reach a state of nirvana however they put it, I am not an expert, thank God I am not an expert, God, courts, God, so it goes on, right, it's another game, a very interesting one too, but the fact is, it goes on, reincarnation, reincarnation, moving, improving, always going on and on, So, why do we call all of this death if it isn't dying, really? Can you see that it is not death? Now, others have a different type of game, which is they have become so mechanical... So cynical and bitter. They just believe in a mechanical world. A mechanical world that works on its own. And they are nothing but atoms circling around into the dark. One day their body dies and they disappear into nothingness. Forever and ever. And the world goes on and on doing its thing. Quite a depressing perspective and to some, I guess, It is a peaceful perspective, but is that death. How can you know what death is if you already have an idea of it? That's your own creation. That is not death. And this perspective is not different than the others. You have an idea of what death is going to be. So whenever you have to face that inevitable fact your whole body shakes, you are terrified, but not of the unknown, rather of the known. And this is our problem. We can never actually find out what death is as long as we do not face it. Face the actual thing, not what we think it is, but really face it. Now, please, I am not advocating suicide. I mean, that is too silly. If you are suicidal, please ask for some help. I am more than willing to help you go through this phase. Perhaps my help won't be as kind. I don't know. As easygoing as your psychologist will make that go. But that is because only you can cure such a destructive mind. I will not sugarcoat what is it that is going on with you. But I really am willing to help. So do not hesitate to ask for help. That is the right thing to do. That being said, the death of the physical body is not death at all. It isn't as important as we'd like it to be. It is only important because of our selfishness, because of our ego. The importance thought gives to itself, the the importance of me. But your body dying is really no major thing, not from the perspective of the immensity of life, of the universe, and let alone the truth, it is really a small affair. So ultimately, the only death there is is the death of the self. That is really the only death there can ever be. And for that death to be, it has to happen while you are living. It has to happen through understanding. Otherwise, your selfish mind will go on. You are the result of that selfish mind, actually. But you see, this is so hard to understand. To understand this fact, while you are selfish, is impossible. We cannot. Because we are so hung up on the idea that we are individuals. Hmm? That there's a me that will go on that you, the listener, will die and it would be so great if you could be reborn in another organism or in paradise or stuck in a computer as a robot. What we fail to see is that all this is already happening. It has been happening. And the reason being that we cling to our ego We are attached to our ego, our personal matters, and whatever we think is important to us. Therefore, we can never know what death is, actually. And it is very important to die while you are alive. Otherwise, you will never truly live. Other Is there a way to banish the idea that we are individuals? How can we see that? Because to most of us, since there's the obvious fact that I have a body, this body, which is mine. You know, it is this short, this thin, this color, this and that—all those qualities. We take that into the into the psychological realm as well, and say to ourselves, "I am an individual." But deep down, we are not. That is just thinking, walking. And thinking is not exclusive. <coughs> sorry. And thinking is not exclusive to you alone. The same way, suffering is not exclusive to you. He has hurt me. Uh, they have insulted me, and I really suffer from it. That suffering is the same suffering as everyone else. The reasons of the suffering might vary. The causes they might vary. But suffering on its own is common to us all. So the same way, thinking, which is the source of the psychological suffering, is the same for us all please stop being so full of yourself because you can do this better than me or her, that you think you are different. Your mind is not yours alone. It is just the mind. So, understanding that there is no such thing as psychological me, which means that there is no individuality psychologically and physically to some extent, because, I mean, we are all human beings, really. We are living organisms. So understanding this, observing and understanding this as an actuality, because it is so, not because someone said so, Understanding that fact, then you can start the process of death, the death of the self. And that is what I mean by selfishness, the self, the ego. Maybe when you hear me saying selfishness, you think that is when you do not share your favorite chocolate. No. Selfishness is when the ego is, when the self is, when you are a slave to the thinking process, when you haven't seen the fallacy and the limitations of it. This implies dying to yourself and everything every single day. Now, seeing that is the death of the self, (coughs) sorry, that's the first death or one kind of death because then you've cleared your mind from all these nonsensical illusions. You have finally gotten out of the room in which you are trapped. But you see, that room is in a house, right? It's in a house. There's certainly much more room to explore now that you've gotten out of that single room. The house is big. There's much more space to explore, but it is still very limited. But since you are not being constantly held back by yourself, there will be freedom to leave that house naturally at any time. And that is another kind of death, which includes your physical body, my physical body, the the water, the, the universe, the whole matter, basically. The death of the universe, if I may put it this way. And once you get out of the house, once there's that death, Then perhaps you will find out whether there was a house or not in the first place. And that is real death. Sorry, I'm using analogies because there's really no way of communicating this. I cannot put it in a specific statement that your mind now will use to dive you into other illusions. This is something you have to see. I'm just using words. But the meaning behind these words is tremendously important. See, when there's that death, then life becomes incredibly beautiful, meaningful, and very serious, but serious in a good way. Serious in the sense that you care for everything. You will not kill another living thing carelessly. You will not cause suffering carelessly. You will not be involved in all this nonsense of mine and yours, of my country, my wife, my... You know, finding out that in your living, and it can only be found in your living, really, then you can find out what creation is and what is the source of this whole thing. Not that there's a you that will do the finding out, all right? Then you're back at the game again if you think there's a you that's going to reach somewhere, all right? But that source will do it. You might be aware of it through observation, perception, you know, through various other ways. But it will be there in your face, so much so that you cannot doubt it. And that creation, my friend, comes out of love. That is love, actually. Not you blowing out kisses to your little cousins or or what, or saving a drowning cat. That love is different. That is love. That love operates in your daily life. You can make a mistake, sure, but that mistake can be corrected immediately. So, worry less about reincarnation. Life after death, paradise, hell, your Big Bang theories. Worry less about all that. Rather, live instead of imagining all that. It is far more important. Do not worry about reincarnation. Incarnation is much more important. Stop the cycle, for God's sake. There's no end to that game. And for those that believe in nothing, you know, fine, fair enough. But do you actually realize the death of what is happening? The death of this thing that is happening. Or your shallowness have already consumed all beauty. Please see what we are doing to ourselves. Next time, I would like us to discuss meditation, what meditation really is. And it would perhaps be surprising for you to know that you have been meditating throughout these past dialogues. All this time, you have been meditating. That's a very good beginning. But as you do that, I really cannot tell you how incredible this thing we call meditation is. But I will try anyway. So thanks again for your time.